Hello, I'm Lale Arikoglu. I'm Condé Nast Traveller's Articles Director and host of the podcast Women Who Travel. For our new listeners, Women Who Travel is a podcast for anyone who is curious about the world and excited to explore places both near and far from home. Each week, I explore a new theme, idea or place by sharing my experiences travelling the globe, interviewing female-identifying guests about their most unique travel stories and tapping Women Who Travel listeners to contribute their own memorable tales. Stay tuned for a preview of the newest episode of Women Who Travel and make sure to listen and follow the podcast via the link in our episode notes or wherever you listen. Hi, welcome to the newly relaunched Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu, your host, and I'm so excited to be back, and this time flying solo without my beloved Meredith Carey, but with a ton of new travel stories to share. It's been a challenging couple of years making this podcast during the pandemic, often in a time when we weren't able to travel. And yet, all we wanted to do was talk about travel. While I won't confidently say that the pandemic is over, we are moving around the world once again. And that has included myself. Since we went off the air back in the spring, I've been hopping all over the world, including going to the Southern Hemisphere. I went to Patagonia, where I was hiking through the wilderness. Sometimes you can spot some condors over there. I'm also going to be talking about pushing myself to learn a new sport slightly closer to home over the weekends in Rockaway Beach in Queens, New York, and actually trying to stick with it. But more on that later. We'll also be hearing from some of you about your new outdoorsy challenges. I decided to hike the Camino de Santiago in Galicia, Spain. When I told my husband I was going to take part in a 24-hour endurance regatta. We, especially my mom, were so glad we pushed through the fear and uncertainty. But to do it in December, during the rainiest, coldest part of the year, and I decided to do it alone. He looked at me as if I was going crazy. We hiked 9.8 miles, 25,310 steps down Furanalp, and trust me, we felt every single one of those steps. When I was in Patagonia, I was by myself for so much of it, which after two years of actually not having that much time by myself felt incredibly novel and incredibly exciting. The weather was misty, it was cold, it was April, but autumnal, very different from the weather I'd left behind in New York. Nothing rang home quite how isolating being in the Andes was, though, in the middle of Chilean Patagonia, like the transportation to get there. I left New York City on a Tuesday afternoon, caught a commercial plane to Dallas, connected to another commercial flight to Santiago. From there, I got on a domestic flight to a small city called Portamont, which is perhaps best known for a volcano that erupted several years ago, and I can't really tell you much else. I got on a 10-seater propeller plane, which flew me to the tiny village of Chaiten. And from there... A very generous and kind older couple who didn't speak a lick of English and I didn't speak a lick of Spanish drove me for three hours through gorges and past glaciers and into the mountains to my final destination. 
outside of the village of Futulafu. It was like a Russian nesting doll of transport experiences. With every new mode of transport, I became more and more alone, shedding American backpackers and hikers, and starting to feel like I was never going to be seen again. On my first morning waking up in the Andes, the owner of the lodge that I was staying at, Marcelo, decided to take me out for a hike with him and his two dogs, Baloo and Poncho. It was misty, it was drizzly, I had my rain jacket zipped up and my hiking boots on. And the only sound other than the dogs sniffing in the grass was the sound of the mud squelching beneath our hiking boots. We talked about everything, from Pearl Jam to psychedelic mushrooms to Tokyo, to why the colour of the river in Futulafu was such a brilliant, iridescent blue. It was one of the best days I've ever had. It was one of the best travel experiences I've ever had. Sometimes you can spot some condors over there. I'm excited to report back on our request to our Women Who Travel community for a voice memo about a wilderness experience that you've never had before. Tracy Shields sent us this one about walking an ancient pilgrimage route in Spain. My name is Tracy Shields, and I'm a 54-year-old mom of two who owns a vitamin supplement company and who lives in a quiet suburb of New Jersey. Despite being in good health and quite fit and living a relatively peaceful life, I suffer from horrible anxiety and panic attacks. To make matters worse, the last year I was hit with tragedy after tragedy, including the death of my best friend. My usual go-to move to feel better is to pick a spot on the globe and go. But I really needed something that would kind of shake me up a bit and give me a slap in the face kind of awakening to get rid of this nagging anxiety. And I didn't want to turn to medication. I decided to hike the Camino de Santiago in Galicia, Spain for seven days straight, which is 100 kilometers. But to do it in December, during the rainiest, coldest part of the year, and I decided to do it alone. I live part of the year in Madrid because my sons are half Spanish, and so it seemed like a good idea. But doing a bit of prep work for this adventure, I entered into this bizarre realm of Facebook groups and hiking groups and sites devoted to everything from what to eat on the Camino, what shoes to wear, what bag to carry, what where to pee, um, and every bit of the advice that I gleaned failed miserably uh, in the conditions of December. Um, the shoes and the clothing were all recommended for summer hikes and forget about bathrooms. Nothing was open. No places to eat. Um, a tree or a bush was what you got. And let me tell you, being a 54-year-old woman still having her period and two layers of pants on, not fun. <laughs> but... I never saw a single soul on the route for two entire days, and when I finally did, we kind of nodded and moved on, um, perhaps in respect of the silence and the emptiness. Um, I want to just say that the most important part of this trip was that the fear of taking that very first step overwhelmed but enthralled me. I am not a very religious person, but there is something quite primordial and sacred about walking alone in the rain and wind that leads down a well-worn path where uh, so many have been before, but where no one but you is standing. 
For me, coming out of the pandemic, as much as I would run to clear my head, I found that it wasn't really doing that much for me. Instead, the idea of throwing myself into the ice-cold Atlantic Ocean was becoming more and more appealing. A surprise given that I'm someone who's notoriously skittish in waves. So I signed up with a local surf school, donned my wetsuit, got a foam board and went out to sea, where an off-duty firefighter who volunteers on the weekends taught me how to surf. I didn't stand up. I still can't really stand up. But what I did do was not get scared of the waves. And the more that I did it, the more I threw myself in and learned how to fall safely and get myself back up again. At first glance, the surf scene at the Rockaways, which I think you can say for most things, feels dominated by men. But there are lots of women getting on their boards there. And the more time I spent on the beach, the more I realised that women were just as present on their surfboards as men. All you have to do is buy a $3 subway ticket to get there, which makes it probably one of the more accessible outdoor experiences in New York. What I think is amazing about Rockaway and other city beaches is that there are just no tourists. It's just people who live in the city. It is a beach for the people of New York. Like I said, I still can't really stand up on the board. But for the few moments that I've managed to get up to my knees or even just hover on one foot before tumbling into the ocean, have felt truly exhilarating. And have also made me feel, even for just one brief second, somewhat graceful. If you enjoyed hearing this preview of Women Who Travel, head over to our page by searching Women Who Travel wherever you're listening now. There's also a link in this episode's show notes. You'll be able to follow our show, and hear more stories from our first episodes that range from coastal Denmark to the ancient streets of Istanbul. Thanks for listening.